Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, welcome to the show. Yes, of course. It's going to be a great one. What do you think this little lever on my control does? Let's find out. Looks like volume to me, but we'll know. see. So listeners, does that sound better? I just turned something up. <laughs> Testing. <laughs> Testing. That's how you know we're live. That's right. Exactly. All right. Well, so today's podcast is a continuation of what we started a couple days ago. And thank you for all of you for giving us the great feedback on this topic. And yes, I get it, guys. This is a, this year, more than many others in your life, has been a challenge to your mindset, a challenge to how you think, a challenge to really looking forward to the following year. I don't know about all of you, but I do not remember a year where the end of the year was so welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Simply put. Right. So if you have not listened to the past, I think three podcasts we did are, yes, three podcasts we did. The topic is in essence, how to 100x your 2021. And what we're trying to do on this podcast, and based on all your feedback, I think we're being fairly effective at it, is helping you to clean out your mental closet and sort of root out the things that may be holding you back and giving you uh, permission to give yourself a path forward so you can make 2021 your best year ever. And if you, again, as many of you are, tens of thousands of you are, uh, regular listeners to the show, you'll know that Julie and I are absolutely positive that next year, and probably for the next five years at least, are going to be some of the best times ever to be in real estate, at least for the United States, probably in many other markets around the world as well. So look, count yourself lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Now, obviously, it's imperative that you take the right actions. So yesterday... We left off with stop believing that you need to feel passionate in order to be successful. That was point number seven. So go back and listen to point number seven. And so now we're going to roll right into point number eight. Julie, you want to read it? Sure. Point number eight, understand that everything you want in life is on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Everything in life worth having will take longer and require more effort than you think or were told. Let's hover on that point for a second. I call this the easy button point, right? Yeah. Because, you know, and we've talked about stages of mastery and how not just agents, but I think people in general are always looking for the hack or the workaround. And the fact of the matter is there isn't one when you're talking about work, especially where you're helping people and it requires skill and script and experience and practice. I'm going to edit that. Only so slightly in that it's true that there are no hacks when you're getting, when you're building momentum. But once you're at momentum, once you're at cruising altitude, there, things do get a lot easier. Sure. And then, for example, you, there's lots of things you can do when you're at cruising altitude. When you're, you know, we discussed this in our book. We discussed this again on our show. But the essence of the analogy is that, you know, you have the different stages as you're building up to momentum. And momentum is cruising altitude. And on your way up to cruising altitude, there's a lot of shaking and shimmering, a lot of fuel that's being used, a lot of effort that's necessary to get to the, you know, cruising altitude. But once you're there, things really do get easier. And that is where you've got enough experience and competence that you will naturally figure out, uh, call them hacks or shortcuts, but what you'll really figure out is that you have a higher level of skill, and so things become easier, and that in itself feels like it's a hack. 
Yes, that's very well said. But remember, you can't skip from the runway to cruising altitude. Right, exactly. Which is what everybody wants to do. Of course, everybody wants to do that. I mean, I'm working on my eight-minute mile on the treadmill. I think it would be awesome if I could just skip all the stages in between of having to work back from it being a 10-minute mile to a nine and a half to, you know, that's a lot of work. That would be awesome if I could just skip that because I wanted to or because somebody said just, you know, get this kind of tennis shoes. I've tried that. It doesn't work. So, you know, you can't skip that step, and do, you do, but, but and do accept that. And yeah. you're doing a great job. I watch you every day. Thank you. I'm well, right. every other day when we go to the, <laughs> yeah. every three days when we go to the gym. And uh, you're looking less and less like a spider uh, monkey. A spider monkey. <laughs> I appreciate that. All I elbows and knees. You're looking more elegant as I you run. Know. I'm trying. So just like me on the treadmill, everything <laughs> will take longer and require more effort, sometimes way more effort than you think or were told. And I think that's one of the things that, I think probably people told us in the beginning, but I didn't appreciate until we were a little bit further into it. Well, I think the accepting of that fact is big, though. The little subpoints under point number eight are going to reinforce this. But really, here's the thing. How many people at midlife, basically, will have actually taken the time to become a, a true master or expert at anything? Um, and it's very rare. You know, most people stop really excelling at a high level when they're really probably in their late 30s, even if they, it, most of them never really have. And, and I don't want, you, I'm not trying to sound overly critical, but it's a fact. I mean, if you look at most people, they will go, they'll figure out ways to essentially just hide out and, uh, you know, not ever have to really leave it all on the field with what they're doing professionally and personally. And it's usually, you know, about 40 to 50, maybe early 50s, where then they start, you know, realizing that they still have lots of life to live, but they have to re-engage. And, and then something intuitive, uh, you know, it, it is does feel natural if they pay attention to it, is telling them that if you want ever increasing levels of success in business and personal life, you have to master the art and science of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. It's the shortcuts that add up. So if your life is full of shortcuts, your life is full of not ever actually putting in an effort long enough, you're never going to get to the point where things are at cruising altitude. And you can have cruising altitude in other aspects of your life and all aspects of your life, but know that you have to still be improving, but the effort it takes to go to the next level is is substantially less. Let me make this really practical. You guys have always heard that you have to make have money to make money. That's absolutely true. But the one thing that's fun about not having money and made money is that when you have no money and you're trying to make money, you have nothing to lose. But when you have money and you're trying to make money, you have more to lose. And so actually psychologically for many, it becomes harder to actually make more money when you have money because you're fearful of losing what you already have. So there's some little you know psychological facts for you. And this comes obviously from generations of coaching that Julie and I've done. All right. So the next point, I have a feeling you won't want to read this one. You can read it. And like since I wrote it, it right? Okay. <laughs> All right. The world thinks you're dumb and lazy. The world doesn't ever expect you to ask tough questions that may expose the dogma being fed to you uh, by society for, you know, uh, fallacies. The, what did I fallacies. write down? Dogma being fed to society for all of its fallacies. That's a very elegantly written. That's pretty good. Yeah, I did that. Must have been That must have been a two cup uh, coffee cup. At least two cappuccinos yeah. in. Have rules in place for what you think. Invest your time and money. Okay, now what did I mean by that when I wrote that point? So everyone's going to assume that you're never thinking in depth. Everyone's going to assume that you're never actually acting um, beyond just to essentially look for a way to get through, for example, an article the quickest. And I'll, I'll point this out to you. Now, we do this, too, because we know people's habits and behaviors have changed, but mostly because of social networking. People have lost the ability to think in depth. 
people have lost the ability to drill down. And so what marketers have figured out how to do, what everyone's more or less figured out how to do, even someone who's not a professional marketer, is how to give you a little snip of what you want to hear and then basically sort of use either you know fear, greed, some sort of base level motivational thing to get you to take action wherever they're trying to get you to think. And I'm talking about the media, for example. So when you read an article, do you notice how many of these articles that you see where they'll give you like three or four bullet points of what the whole article is about? Now, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it obviously saves you time. And I've seen on other articles where they'll tell you this article takes on average of 47 seconds to read or a minute to read. But really what that's doing is it's reprogram people's brains so they don't actually, they consume the content, but they don't actually have the cognitive ability because they've lost it or never have built the muscle to be able to think about what they're reading and sort of compare and contrast. Nowadays in life, you know, we're being treated like we're all essentially, you know, mentally incapable of having independent thought and unfortunately that does seem to be what's happening you either think this way or you think that way there's no place for anyone to think someplace in a neutral territory where you can see both sides of an argument have you guys noticed that and that happens in real estate too i mean there's people that treat some of these concepts especially around marketing like their religions the branding religion the team religion so if you were to somehow you know make the mistake of questioning the dogma of joining a team or creating a team, somehow you're less than, whereas in all reality, you're just trying to think through it logically to find out whether or not, you know, going down that path makes the most sense for what your financial goals are. You know, that's called being intelligence. That's all, that is essentially the essence of intelligence, the ability to, despite the, you know, the headwinds, to, to at least do your best to think independently about what people are trying to tell you. You've got to remember that when you're trying to make decisions about anything, especially again, Julie and I, real estate, you know, we are business coaches, so we're going to keep it practical around that category, that subject. You've got to start putting rules in place for the filters in which you're going to govern all your decision-making uh, by, which leads perfectly into the next point, or actually this is the filters, for example. The filters for what the product you buy, rules should be rigid. You know, you, for example, should say, I'll spend a dollar, but you have to prove to me, Mr. Vendor, that I'm gonna get a 15X return. Proven is act, proven to actually work and not a gimmick. Actually tested over the long term. Filters for who you listen to. And that means everyone in, you know, essentially podcasting, videos, whatever. The world we are living in is all about fake experts and influencers. People, there are no bars to call yourself either one of those things. And yet, as soon as someone slaps on, I should add the word coach on there too. As soon as someone slaps that label on there, they assume a, you know, sort of the mantle of knowledge where they haven't in all reality earned it. They have the title, but they don't actually have the experience. Unless you are discerning and you ask tough questions, you can easily fall prey to someone who is, as we used to say in Texas when Julie and I lived there, tall hat, no cattle. Have they actually done what they claim to have done? In a, you know, in our business, sold real estate, sold real estate at a high level, sold real estate at a high level for a long time, sold real estate in different market conditions. Make your own filters be rigid. Run from anything that is being sold to you as an anecdote for real work. Those are almost always gimmicks. Yes, and the thing that I've seen, especially over a series of uh, coaching calls and questions in the Premier Coaching, lately the filters that that our listeners and our clients are having to to uh, I guess upgrade has a lot to do with marketing things. You said branding things, uh, yep. website optimization, um, paid for leads. You know anything that can't actually be quantified. 
where when you call and say, well, this doesn't seem to be working, their answer is you either haven't been doing it long enough or you're not consistent or you're on a quarterly payment plan and you need to be doing this every month. That's not really an answer, but it's partially your fault for not saying, give me some proof that this is going to work. And I got news for you too. Breaking even on something is not success. Well, uh, social media. So we have people constantly soliciting us and I'm not discouraging them from doing so. Uh, to, you know, sell us this social media widget or that, right? And for our coaching business. Right. And it, it's a normal, natural thing. I see the emails primarily coming in. Um, you know, that's their main form of trying to get our attention. Now, on occasion, I've had someone from our staff engage with somebody just to find out, you know, just to make sure that we're on target with what we're telling you guys. And I have never, ever, ever, ever seen any of these people trying to sell you anything from, you know, videos to any kind of social media actually uh, essentially have any well, real way of holding them accountable to the money that they're fle- or I said fleecing. I didn't mean fleecing. Taking from you yeah. for this product that they're trying to sell you. In other words, there is no direct line between the money you're spending and then uh, the results that you'll get. And by results, we do mean money. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to essentially play into your ignorance about the topic of branding, for example, and having you believe that you need to do branding because somehow that's going to make up for your lack of actually having a really stellar reputation as being a successful real estate practitioner. You guys get it? So what they're trying to do, and some of them are overt in how they go about saying this, and the same for the social networking crowd, is they're actually trying to get you to believe that that this is the way you shortcut or hack actually having experience and proven results from having helped people. You understand how this is just basically leads to failure. And Julie and I are, we're about 90% sure that our theory about what I'm about to tell you is correct. I'm waiting for a couple other, you know, anecdotal pieces of information just so I can, you know, feel a little bit more substantial in my opinion. But here's what our opinion is with regards to agent failure rates. It does appear that the number of agents Uh, getting into the real estate business is increasing. Yay, good, right? But it does also appear that the number of agents that are staying in the real real estate business for more than 18 months is decreasing. And there has been a notable increase in the number of agents failing in a shorter period of time. In other words, their duration in the industry is becoming shorter and shorter. Um, as a result or after the essentially the normalization of all this stuff that came around 19 or I'm sorry 2007. So that's when really all the paid lead generation and the, all this other stuff that's been normalized now, that's where it was in sort of really getting its stranglehold on the marketplace. Zillow certainly helped that uh, along uh, quite nicely. That's where all you saw the you know 17,000 CRMs, all these different people trying to sell you easy button things. Well, you would think that if all these ideas had validity, that somehow magically we'd start seeing the number of agents uh, that fail decrease. And instead, what we're saying it's increasing. So the ways that you guys are being taught to believe that you have to you know be what you have to employ to be successful in your business is proving to have the exact opposite effect. Now, I want you to think about that. <laughs> Doesn't that seem insane, Julie? It seems very counterintuitive. But at the same time, you know, nobody teaches you in real estate school or even in college how to use a filter, right? How do they even know? Somebody tells you, you know what? You got to build your brand because, I mean, that's the one way you'll get out of doing well, you, fill you, in, the, in the blank. You were just 
you were telling me something that you heard on a podcast mm -hmm. where they were talking about essentially that uh, kids need to be given more information before they sign themselves up for tens of thousands or thousands of dollars in student loans for undergraduate degrees. Sure. And then you're uh, the pod talk about the podcast briefly that you listened to. They're saying yeah. test them before and after. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's an interesting thing. And wouldn't college completely change if this were to be enacted? The concept was to start. Okay. So colleges still use ACTs and SATs and stuff like that. Most to, of them, to, not all. Not of them. all of them, but it's still fairly common to sort you out, you know, and and to have some kind of pre-qualification criteria to let you in the door. Well, what if you didn't actually get your degree until you took an exit exam, like doctors and attorneys have to take? You can't just be an attorney because you went to three years of law school. You have to pass the board, and if you bar. didn't pass, I'm sorry, the bar. And if you don't pass it the first time, you still don't get it. You got to keep on trying, right? And doctors have to go through a similar rigorous process. But what if for your average, you know, BA or BS degree, they tested you on the way out, even if they just use the ACT again, you've got to score at least as good, if not better. Otherwise, you're, they were talking about uh, not accrediting your degree. Huh, that's interesting. Well, just how many kids would go to school majoring what they majored in? If someone actually gave them an honest look forward as to what that degree would result in their lives being like in four or five or six years, whenever they got their undergraduate degree. Yeah, see, degrees. I think this is a whole, this is another can of worms having to do with credit because right. you shouldn't, I mean, look at the scrutiny that a mortgage lender puts people through, okay? Even you go through more scrutiny when you lease a car than you do trying to get a student loan. Why? It's because you don't have any credit, right? And because they'll lend it to you. But if you knew you'd never pay it back, would you still do it? Well, this is because you don't have a good filter. That's right. That's the bottom line. So understand, guys, that in your industry, in your business, in your life, you've got to set up rigid. Now, I'm not telling you to be a skeptic. No. Uh, I'm telling you to be an investigator, be inquisitive, be, uh, well, you know. Just ask for proof. I mean, right. if you want to whittle it down, ask for proof. Prove to me that what you're trying to sell me is effective and quantify it in a way that makes sense to me. That's right. And if they can't do that, they're probably BSing you. Did they actually sell real estate at a high level? Did they sell it for a long period of time? Did they sell it in different market conditions at different price points? Have they actually, you know, the very basics of who you guys are considering listening to, if for anything, oh, someone's going to teach you how to run Facebook ads. Well, great. So let's talk about what your success is, uh, you know, what... Came of your examples. Facebook, yeah. right. And no, let's talk about what you did. No, 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 no. You did. You run these Facebook ads. I want to see the proof that you actually sold houses as a result of Facebook ads. And what you'll soon discover is that for the most part, the stuff is fluff. That's, that's a good the rhyme. The stuff is fluff. See, now this cup of coffee I'm having <laughs> starting to see in. it. All right, now I'm yeah. going to say a word. Point number nine. <clears throat> this, by the way, would be a whole topic on itself. Yeah. I'm going to say a word. The second I say the word, everyone do this with me, okay? Please take this seriously. The second I say this word, I want you to write down, if you can, or at least, you know, say three words if you're driving or whatever, um, of the first uh, the first words that come to your mind. So I'm going to say a word, and then you somehow allow the first, you know, three to five words that pop in your mind as a result of me saying this word. Say them out loud. Write them down. In, you know, let's let's engage here. Let's do some actual, in, you know, exploration into what you think about the word I'm about to say, which you have to think right now. It's kind of funny because you guys are trying to guess the word I'm going to say in your mind. Those of you guys uh -oh. are actually listening. Isn't that funny? So please don't. Here's the rule, though. Please don't think. Please don't ponder. Please don't analyze. Just say out loud or write down what words come to mind. Notice how the words you are using are charged with emotion. Now, when I say this word, you'll understand. 
is the motion positive or negative? So I'm about to say the word. Please, listeners, do this exercise with me. Actually say out loud or write down the first, you know, look, at minimum of three words that come to mind when I say this word. Right? Ready for it? Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm about to say the word. The word is rich. Rich. Write down your write down the words that come to mind. What are the words that are coming to mind? Say them out loud. Write them down. Be honest. Don't just say what you think, you know, just absolutely drill down. Go beyond the surface. Drill down to your emotions. And this is the point I made is look to see how that one word is emotionally charged, mostly emotionally charged to the negative. So when you when you hear someone say rich nowadays in this society that we're living in, the word rich is generally associated with some sort of amb- ambiguity. Amb- help Am- me out here. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. Thank mm-hmm. you. Ambiguous. Amb- what Ambiguous thoughts. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I, but I think more coffee. Usually, when when you ask somebody what is your first thing that comes to mind, that's usually the most pure thing. That's like right. their inner, you know, quick reaction type of thing. So why is it that that the initial reaction is usually like, um, I mean, things that we've heard when we present this, right? Corrupt or you know, they only have that because they took it from somebody else. So that's an abundance. Some, sometimes thing. it's a, it's sometimes you know. it's a word. Sometimes it's a little phrase, Could, like a phrase right, or a you know, feeling. Sacrifice. Sometimes I'll see that word come up, yeah. right? But some of them will, will actually say goal. Right. <laughs> but that's unusual. Right. But drill down, guys. So when you hear the word rich, right? You know, it's a word. What mind? What thoughts come to your mind? What? How do you feel with that word? Do you feel scared? Do you feel jealous? Do you feel angry? Do you feel? You know, what do you feel? So. Here's the next thought that comes along with this. Your essentially financial experience has a direct correlation to what you actually think about that word. So why aren't you rich? Is it because of how you truly think about the word rich? How you were raised to think? Is it simply because you don't know how to be rich? Well, that's actually something fairly straightforward and easy to fix, to be honest with you. Telling you guys how to earn money and showing you how to do it, you know, with what we do in our coaching program. That is the easier part of the journey that all of you are on. The harder part is moving past the actual ways that you think about being rich. Because here's the little irony of it. If you have an unhealthy relationship with the word rich, if you associate it with bad things, subconsciously mostly, you're never going to do anything that moves you closer to actually being financially free, which is rich. So here's Tim and Julie's definition of what rich means. And you guys can write this down. Um, it's rich is simply, and this is the simplest of all definitions. Rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money, right? That is not politically, spiritually in any way charged, is it? It's simply very practical and tactical. And it's a different number for everybody. Yeah, exactly. So explain. Well, it's, I mean, when you interview the average person, you say, what's rich? Sometimes they'll say, well, it's, I mean, I guess that'd have to be at least X millions of dollars. Well, no, if your definition is when your money works for you and you're no longer having to work for it, that means that you're covering passively for the most part, your monthly overhead, your goal overhead, you know, you're not having to slug it out every day. Okay. So that's not necessarily millions and millions of dollars. I mean, I've got coaching clients that, you know, they've got 5,000 a month coming in passively. Their bills are $3,500 a month. That's rich. And they feel rich because it's become predictable and duplicatable. That is, they're rich, and then they work on it from there. I think part of the issue for many of them is not necessary. For some of them, yes, it's making it in the first place because they're working on their skills. But for others, it's keeping it 
because they haven't actually massaged the notion of what rich is to them. Yeah, that's it. And we're giving you a definition that works for everyone, and it's not politically charged. There's no social dogma or social baggage that goes along with this. You can be a Democrat or Republican, a conservative or a liberal or a socialist or whatever, and you can make this definition work for you. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. And, you know, just listen to what Julie said. If your personal monthly overhead is $5,000 a month, and you have $5,000 a month coming in, how would that make you feel if you knew every single day when you woke up? Not just that month, every month. Every month, right? That is what you do with when you earn. So our goal for you is you have a profitable business. With that profit, you reinvest that money into something and some things that create passive income so that you can be rich. And when you embrace this concept, you are going to find that it is a massive relief and it cuts immediately through all the mind garbage and all the fluffery that you guys are inundated with every day because you're going to start then being very rigid back to our previous points about where you spend your money because then you're going to start saying, my goal is to be rich where my money works for me. I no longer have to work for my money. We talk about this and I forget which rule it is in Harris Rules. There's a lot of specific detail on this. Julie and I even give you a roadmap for how to invest your money, where to invest your money. So if you've not purchased our book, Harris Rules, yet it continues to be a bestseller on Amazon. It's for sale at Barnes & Noble, everyone else you can possibly imagine. But do consider getting Harris Rules. It is a great Christmas present, by the way. For all of you. Yeah, it's already for festive all holiday green. That's right. Yes. Okay. So right. here's the a little thought for you. And this is where a lot of people, if you really root out what their issues are. And this was mine, by the way. I had this issue, definitely. I was raised to um, believe that the accumulation of money was somehow unholy. Like somehow for me, and this is, now it wasn't overtly said like this, but it was definitely covertly uh, from learning from my, the way I was raised, the behavior of my parents. They absolutely had no relationship with money. They had absolutely no desire to ever, or even a clear understanding of how to accumulate it or what it really meant to be rich. They're conflicted about it. And a lot of it came from religious upbringings. And I'm not even saying the way that they translated what the religious upbringings were meant to have taught them was correct. I'm not, in other words, blaming religion for people's screwed up view of money because I haven't found that to be the case at all. It's more about the scarcity mindset that came in the families that they grew up in. So I'll give you guys a little hack on all of this. So you, please be aware, and we learned this from Deepak Chopra, by the way, please be aware that we are all spiritual beings, right? The essence of all of us is a soul, whether you believe that in you know a scientific or spiritual perspective, let's just hang together for this one thought. And so, at, but you're in a physical manifestation or incarnation, right? Now I'm using woo-woo words, which I know some of you guys who are longtime <laughs> podcast listeners might be surprised to hear me say, but this is actually how we feel. So we are all spiritual beings and physical incarnations. And as such, we need stuff, right? We are in a materialistic world. We are. By definition, we are in a materialistic world. We're not just all floating around as some sort of spiritual ether. In utopia. In utopia <laughs> or wherever it is. I don't even know. But the reality of it is, is that we are physic. We need food. We need clothes. We need shoes. We need a house to live in. We need you know, computers and microphones for our podcasting. We need all of these things. And so you have to buy all of those things unless you want to be homeless. But even if you're homeless, you still need things as a homeless person, don't you? You have to feed yourself. You still have to wear clothing. Exactly. So we are spiritual beings and physical, you know, incarnations. And as such, if you need stuff, why not just have it be really nice stuff? Why not have it be the nicest stuff that you can allow yourself to enjoy? Why not? Look, if you can live in a house 
And you have the ability through real estate, by the way, to easily increase your income because you've done your real estate magic number because you completed your real estate treasure map. By the way, guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, text uh, the numbers 2021 to 31996. Text the numbers 2021 to 31996. That is a new program that we just put in place. Check it out. Text the number 2021 to 31996 and you'll be downloading your real estate uh, treasure map. But we're also going to be announcing a lot of new products and services to all of you guys over the next 60 to 90 days. But the reality of it is, is what you're going to understand is that as you go through the real estate treasure map, as you're completing your business plan, as you're thinking about all of these things, you're going to quickly realize that you do want nicer stuff. You don't want to drive that beat up old Prius from 2002. You do uh, feel a need to have you know nicer clothes. And, and so why not figure out how to earn, those, earn the money to go out and buy those things and spoil your family while you're at it? Guys, it's not being materialistic. It's just you basically making the most of the life that you have and the incredibly, you know, I call it luck, but it's not really luck, but the fact that you're in the real estate industry, the advantage you have, because there is nobody saying how much money you can earn, right? There's nobody saying you can only sell this many houses. You have unlimited earning potential in this industry, like virt- unlike every other industry that's out there, you can earn a tremendous amount of money. And maybe the thing that's preventing you from actually moving forward with that is the acceptance of the fact that you do want to be rich where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money and you are a spiritual being in a physical incarnation and there's nothing wrong with you wanting nice stuff. And I'll, I think we'll round the bend on today's show with this one little uh, passage. And I don't know where I heard this and Julie and I heard this, but it's definitely true. You only live once and you're dead a real long time, <laughs> right? right? You guys ought to remember that. I know you like that because uh, some of you email it and text it back to me. You only live once and you're dead a real long time. So you might as well make it so that your time on this planet is, uh, you know, enjoyable, it, enjoyable, level. right? <laughs> exactly. And we've done podcasts about this before and it's in our book, but believe it or not, um, Money makes everything better. There's nothing in life that doesn't become better the more money you have. Do not believe that that's the opposite of that is true because it's not. And again, I know in society, it's, you know, people have written songs about more money, more problems. But it, yes, there are more money, more problems. But the problems that come with more money are a hell of a lot better than the problems that come from not having money. Right? So be really clear about that. And do not be in conflict with uh, having more money because the only way... And here's the, here's the real psychology of all this. The only way you're going to have more money, the only way you're going to have more stuff is when you help more people. So you might not fully embrace the concept that Julie and I uh, you know, preach, if you will, uh, as, you know, to as many of you that will listen, that our highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to others. Maybe that doesn't completely resonate with all of you, but I know wanting more nicer stuff does. And so the only way for you to get more nicer stuff is for you to basically learn to be of service to other people, and then you will find yourself in tune with what your higher true frequency really is, which is being of service to other people. Our greatest fulfillment on this planet, all humans, is helping other people. Your opportunity to help other people comes in this wonderful industry called the real estate industry. In order for you to help more people, you have to earn the right to help more people, and that only comes from your skill set. That's exactly right. And magically, you will stop being weird about money when your skill set improves and you start to see and you start to live what Tim just described for you. The more people you help, the more you help yourself. And when you simplify it that way and you remove your ego, 
all of a sudden it becomes so much easier. It does. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier than all the mindset garbage that you fight with in the avoidance of doing the real work of real estate, which leads you to helping more people, which leads you to everything you want in life. Yeah, that's it. So listen, guys, if you want to talk to Julie and I about joining our EXP family, uh, a lot of you are looking to move over to EXP. Obviously, it's the you know hottest thing in real estate, and it's going to continue to be at least the, you know I think it's going to be the global leader in real estate brokerage within probably the next 24 months, if not sooner. An absolutely extraordinary company. It's the reason Julie and I aligned with them about two years ago. If you'd like to talk with us about joining our EXP family, I want you to text me directly right now. Just text me to 512-758-0206, And yes, that's my real text number. You text me, let's have a conversation about EXP. 99% of the time when I talk to somebody about EXP after they've texted uh, me and we, you know, I've sent them information, shared information with them, they move forward and they join EXP with us. So do consider it because this is the perfect time of year for you to hit hard reset on your real estate career. No better way for you to do it with Julie and I at EXP Realty. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.